What a great expression. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Is he the center of your joy? Happy New Year. I told you last week, I'll see you next year, and here we are. And uh, we've come to meet with this one who loves us and gave himself for us. And later in the service, we'll celebrate uh, the Lord's table and reflect on what he's done for us. But what a great way to start uh, the new year. Uh, just a, a piece of information. Uh, I, I will uh, be heading to India this week. Uh, we have a partnership with a, uh, with a church that started a number of other churches in the area of West Bengal and kind of eastern, northeastern um, India. Uh, a very, very needy area. And uh, we've had a long-term connection with them. And uh, it's just a, a delight and a joy to be able to go and share with some of their leaders as they come in for a, a conference and seek to prepare and equip themselves to better serve Jesus Christ. So I would appreciate your prayers over the next couple of weeks as we um, share uh, in India. Well, uh, I don't know about you, but I like, I like new beginnings. And this is a new year. Uh, and it's, it's filled with all kinds of opportunity and all kinds of uh, wonderful uh, possibilities. And, and it, it, the, the thought of that just gets me excited to think and wonder what God will do in this year. And, and our lives are largely made up of the decisions that we make. Uh, we can make decisions that positively impact us and those around us. Um, and sometimes we make poor decisions that negatively affect and hurt people around us. Sometimes we get hurt our family by uh, or friends by decisions that we make. Um, and, and one of the challenges is that we will be inundated with decisions. I mean, we already are, right? Every day is just one decision after another. We make choices. And those choices can have a, 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 a real effect on the course of our life and, and God's blessing in our life. And so we want to live wisely and productively and we want to be able to respond to the decisions and the opportunities that come and know how God would have us move on that. Um, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, I, I, at least being a pastor, whenever I walk out the door and turn the key, I never feel like everything is done. I think of people that, oh, it would be good to see this person, and this person's struggling. And, and so I don't know about you, but balancing life's demands can be awfully challenging at times. And, and how, do we, how do we fulfill all that we believe God wants us to fulfill, all that he wants us to fulfill? Because we can't respond to everything. So it would seem to me uh, that we need to be focused on God, grant us your priorities so that we can do the things that you want us to do. You know the thing that absolutely amazes me about Jesus? For all that he did, he was never in a hurry. He, he, he never missed anything that was important. He, he never, you know, it was, it was just totally uh, a life that was lived by priorities and God's leading in his life. And, uh, and so as we face this year... Uh, it probably would be good for us to understand the relative priorities that give direction to the decisions that we will make that will impact us this year. 
Uh, priorities are things that are prior. They may be prior in time or, or, or prior or take a higher uh, um, uh, perspective in, in all that we do. In, in the order of things that we do. Things that take precedence or are more important. We need to live by priorities. And, and we need to establish some kind of, well, well, pecking order. Like what's more important than another thing. And to make sure that we're doing the right things and, and, um, and the things that are most important. Uh, Jesus seems to suggest something about this when he's confronted with uh, some... Uh, Teachers and, and, and leaders in Matthew 22 and verse 23, it says this. Woe to you, Jesus is calling out the religious leaders. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint and dill and cumin. And you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. The religious leaders were focused on, on tithing herbs and, and, and little things that they'd have outside their door in their little herb garden. And they would take uh, and pull a stalk off and count off ten little uh, basil leaves and, and put one and say, that's for God. And at the same time, they were missing out on things that were more important, mercy and justice and faithfulness and all kinds of things like that. And Jesus calls them out. You, you, should have, you should have made sure that you put emphasis on the most important things. I'm not saying neglect the other things, but the most important things you need to give attention to. So we probably need some help or some guidance in saying, okay, God, what is it that you want us to do? What are your priorities? What will you give us so that you can help to guide and direct our lives so that we can live faithfully before you? Um, Stephen Covey, in his book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, on his list of seven things, um, he, he sits, uh, uh, puts out what is, in chapter three, or his third point, what is important to him. And he says that, he's called it, put first things first. Put first things first. There are things that are more important than other things that we need to put those, he would say, in order. We need to have a sense of what is greater, of, of greater importance and uh, greater value to us and to God. So what is it? I mean, if you're, if you're a young person and you're wanting to get into a certain school and you need to pull the marks that you need to pull to get in there and, and you, you have that track, then probably if you want to do that and you come home from school every day and play five hours of video games, probably not going to get you where you want to go, right? Uh, you need to have a priority, some, something that you value that is higher, that you will, you'll neglect other things for the sake of something that is more important. So what are those important things? What are those things that we should value in that way? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of a list maker. And I'll, I'll come in in the morning and I'll start and scratch down. I've got to do this, 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 this. And, and I love it. I love Checking them off. Do you, do you do that? It makes me feel good. Sometimes it doesn't make me feel good because I see, you know, I had nine items there and I only have two done that I had on my list. Um, but but I, I tend to be a, a bit of a, uh, a list maker. And, and, and maybe you do as well. So in terms of priorities, uh, we need to think about what 
our priorities might look like. Well, because we're God's people, because we're followers of God, then I think you would agree with me probably if we should think about putting God at the top of the list. Does that sound reasonable? Okay, so we'll, we have God. So, so as we think about how we order ourselves, well, let's put God first. And then what else will we put after that? Well, I put family. God and then family. We have a responsibility to our families, to our children, to our parents. Um, that's just that fundamental relationship. After that, what about, uh, I put church. Yes, figures, right? I might have slipped it up. <laughs> you know, I, I laugh. My, our, our kids came down at Christmas, and our, we were talking about the f- love languages, and, and our daughter said, Dad, I think your love language is going to church. <laughs> we all had a laugh about that. Uh, so they want to love me. Come to church with me. That, that just speaks my love language. Well, God, maybe family, maybe church. Maybe we, you know, we could play with some of that. How about work or school? For, for those of you who aren't working and you're in school, um, maybe there's that. And, well, I put one at the end, uh, self, because we don't want to push ourselves too high. We'll put ourselves there. So if, if we say, all right, God is the most important thing. He's our number one priority. Then how do we... How do we kind of come to understand what it means to put God first? I don't know about you, but it seems to me kind of, it can be confusing and, and maybe a bit nebulous at times. So if I want to check this out, I may say, or what does it mean to put God first? Well, well, maybe it means that um, I'm going to spend more time with God. I'm going to have time that I'll focus with God. Okay, so how am I going to do that? Well, maybe I'll get up in the morning. And I'll read my Bible and pray for 15 minutes at the start of the day. God is number, well, it doesn't really sound kind of like a number one thing. I give you 15 minutes earlier in the day. Well, how much time would I have to spend to say to God, you are the most important thing in my life? Um, maybe, maybe an hour? Is, is, is that kind of tokenism or should it be two hours or... Or, or what should I do? And, and, and how do I express that to God? But go to church. Um, maybe do service. You serve at the church. Do religious activities. Giving. Or, or is it not so much the quantity of time and thing. But it's the quality. I give God the best. Uh, I, I offer him the very best that I have. Um, if I'm an, a night person. Maybe I'll save my time with God to the night. Or, uh, but it, it can be kind of fuzzy to figure out where are we going with this? How, how, does it, how does it look like when it seems God is competing with other things? Um, how, do, how do we say that, God, you were the most important thing? Well, Jesus weighs in on uh, the discussion of, of all of these priority lists. And um, as we read the scripture... Uh, Jesus had lots of detractors, people who were uh, uh, on his case and against him and trying to trip him up. 
And so on one occasion, several different religious leader factions began to quiz Jesus. The Herodians did and the Sadducees. And whatever they asked Jesus to try and trick him or catch, uh, or catch him, it failed. And he just turned the tables on them and, and they kind of went with tail between their legs. So uh, this Pharisee, this teacher of the law, this expert in the Bible, if you will, thought he would give a go at Jesus. And, and so his, his thing was uh, uh, to him, Master, what's the most important of all the commandments? Now, there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And um, those religious leaders were always trying to kind of get a, a handle on what would be the most important? Because if you've got 613, you can imagine you're taking an exam and you've got 13, 613 kind of things that could be on the exam. You, 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 know, you say, well, can you, can you tell us what would be the focus on the exam? Can you, can you tell us what to study? What's the most important thing of all of that? And so Jesus rightly says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reduce all of that, all that 613 commands that I'm asking you to live out in your life. And so here's what, uh, here's what God's priority uh, looks like. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love me totally, totally. This is kind of a new paradigm that Jesus is declaring that the great the greatest commandment is this, to love God with everything in your being. That's, the, that's at the core of what God demands. What he des- his desire for us is to prioritize love for God. It should permeate every aspect of our life. It should be central to the Christian's life and, and, and is our love for God. And so we're called to love God with all our heart. We've sung about that this morning. At the very core of our being. Uh, love the Lord with all your heart. With all your soul. That's your whole life. And with your mind. Your intellect. Um, this, he's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your strength. All your energy. Love the Lord your God with all of that. And so we're called to love God with every fiber of our being, to love him with all of our emotion, with all of our intellect, with all of who we are, with all of our strength. Um, to love God is to cherish him, to, to have warm feelings of affection, to make his desire our desire. It's to spend time with him. You know, it's interesting to me, I, I, I sat in a... Um, I sat in a a fast food store, a a restaurant some time back, and I saw this guy and this girl who met for lunch, and they were just gaga, staring into each other's eyes. And the guy looked like a bit of a rough character. And I was really intrigued by this. Look at, he is putty in her hand. He's just sitting there, and they're talking face to face. You know, is there that kind of, of love for God that we want to spend time with him? We want to be with him. And, and I, you know, I, sometimes I hear couples, and before we were married, they said, you know, we used to sit on the phone for an hour or two hours talking about nothing. 
but it was just to be with each other. Uh, you know, I, I kind of used a phrase one time because sometimes when you get so busy, you, you miss things. But I, the phrase I used was like, killing time with Jesus. You know, no big time agenda. No, I've got to, you know, five minutes. I've got to, you know, power talk with Jesus and get out of here. But just time with Jesus, unhurried time to be with God, to be with Jesus, to, to speak to him. Um, and and he, he wants us to, to experience some of that. He wants us to obey his commandments. He said, you know, this is love. Obey my commandments. Do, do we love him in that way? To obey what his commandments are. He says in Deuteronomy 5, to reverence him, to love him, is to revere him, to treat him with respect, to serve him. To have no other idols, no other God substitutes, no other thing that you love more than God that you put into his place. You know, all of these kind of things, to, to love him more than money. To love him more than your job, to love him more than your family or, or, or your friends. Uh, to, to love him more than the recognition you're striving to get in the workplace or at school. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love God with everything in you. It's the value that should drive every decision that you make in your life. It's the foundation and organizing principle of a believer's life. Well, he goes on and, and he says um, to follow up, He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Everything is contingent on that. All the 613 come back to just two. The ten commandments come back to two. The first four commandments are about our response to God. And five through ten are our response to how we live in community with other people. So love God with all of your heart. And the second is like the first. And it's a quote from Leviticus 19 and verse 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. Many assume that on a priority list that we are on the bottom of the list, right? If you ever hear this, I mean, I've heard it for years. Joy. Jesus first. Others second. You last. Right? Have you heard that? Am I the only person who's heard that? (laughs) I'm very knowledgeable or very old. You decide. But but I, I think we miss something here. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. That assumes self love. Now, we know that we need to be warned about self-love that is, is just consumptive and, and, and all about us. But at the same time, we need to be concerned about ourselves. We can't be focused on everyone else and not have a focus on ourselves because we, we would never, we'd never be right. If, if we, we didn't have a proper understanding of priorities, our, our whole uh, being, we need to be attentive to the needs that we have if we're going to be healthy. If you don't eat right, if you don't, uh, if you don't exercise, if you don't take care of your health and sleep enough, if you don't, aren't committed to your own personal spiritual growth and what you're doing to grow yourself spiritually, um, if, you, if, if you are in bad shape physically or emotionally, 
you're spent out. Uh, your spiritual well-being, exercising financial wisdom. Those things are all important. We need to care for ourselves because if we don't care for ourselves, we can't care for others. We can't help others. And the old adage, and, and this comes from a generation or more ago, I'd rather, I'd rather wear out than rust out. And what we had was a lot of people that went, went. They didn't take any account for growing themselves and caring for themselves. And, and their lives ended early or their ministries uh, died because they couldn't keep that up. Well, we have sometimes faulty understandings about these kind of priorities. It didn't leave a place for them to care for themselves. It trivializes our needs and makes us unimportant when that's not at all the case. In fact, uh, I, I I see oftentimes caregivers... And caregivers are so dedicated and they're, they're caring for maybe a spouse or a child or something. And, and, and they're, it is so all-consuming that they end up uh, being in a position that they can't care for the person anymore because they weren't taking care of themselves. So we need to take care of ourselves if we're going to live uh, productive lives. And we see this so often in so many ways. So it's absolutely legitimate to care for ourselves. And, um, and I think what we see is there's a new paradigm for thinking of this. We said that God is first. I want to say this. I, I, I want to cast it in this way. That God is central to everything we are. I don't want to say for Yes, he's first. But he's central to everything we are and everything we do. Uh, honoring God means to live a life that is saturated in God. And it's to live a life in which we do what God desires. And, and the, the question is, uh, why don't I have an explicit statement from Jesus? I, I think that our default is self-neglect at times. We take it grant, for granted. Uh, but we need to care for ourselves. And we need to have God at the center of everything we are and everything we do. And so we've got God at the center, and we've got um, ourselves then. Well, when, God, when Jesus said, you, you need to love your neighbors yourself, here's what he, in, in Luke 10, we have a similar occasion, where a religious leader comes to Jesus and asks him this question. He, he says, Master, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, keep the commandments. I've done it all. Okay, uh, so you have. And, and then he asked the follow-up question of Jesus because he said, now, how do I know? He wanted to justify himself, so he said this. Okay, Lord, um, who's my neighbor? Jesus said to him, you want to follow the commandments? Then he said, um, love God and love your neighbor. But who's my neighbor? In other words, I want to be able to check this one off my list. And, and uh, Jesus told a story. The story he told was the, of the Good Samaritan. Uh, most of you may know that story. I mean, we've got a law, a Good Samaritan law. It's so enshrined even in culture. Um, and so here's what happens. Jesus said there's a guy, and he was going from uh, Jerusalem uh, to Jericho. And it's a dangerous kind of road, and robbers hide in there, and somebody came out and 
got this guy and beat him and robbed him and left him in a pool of blood on the side of the road and took his stuff and went. And then a, uh, a priest came by. Yea, clergy. Yea, clergy. The clergy will help, right? Because clergy, they're wonderful people. They're, they're caring, loving people. And he looked at the guy and he passed by. Did nothing. Now, we don't know why. We don't know whether he didn't want to get involved. He was afraid for himself. We don't know whether he was afraid of ritual impurity, if the guy's blood and, and all of that kind of thing. He, he goes, well, the Levite, you know, kind of a guy on the pastoral staff comes by, and he does the same thing. And then a Samaritan comes by. Now, you need to know that Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They didn't like each other. They couldn't stand each other. They, uh, the, the, uh, the Jews felt so... Uh, superior to the, uh, to the uh, Samaritans. And this guy stopped. He, he, he got that man, bound up his wounds, uh, put oil and, and wine, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, paid for him to be cared for, cared for him through the night, had to leave and said, look, at, keep take, taking care of this guy. I'll pay you. If, he, if there's any more that it costs, I'll do it. And Jesus said, there's your na- which one was a neighbor? And the guy guys shrugged his shoulders and said, well, I guess it's the one that helped the man. Bingo. Brilliant. That's who your neighbor is. So your neighbor is anybody who's within proximity to you that you have the resources to help them. That's a neighbor. E- even if it's somebody that, that you may not really go for. And, and here he is. Um, here's your neighbor. Now, here's, here's the whole thing is hanging on this. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, in loving God, uh, there's a relationship we have with ourself, with God, and God with us. But it doesn't stop there because we've got all these other things on the list. So how do we, how do we uh, organize them? How do we do this? At the core of all of our list is is this kind of sequential thing. This is number one. This is number two in, 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 in lessening importance. And the thing is that a lot of us may disagree on how to set up that list. So what do we do? Um, we, we want to uh, live for God. The core is, is, is set there. But how do, we, how do we do the rest of this? Um, you see... We've got all kinds of other areas. But instead of putting them in some kind of sequential order, what we've done here is we've put these categories. Well, our work is something that consumes a lot of time. And our family is something that's important to us. And, and for those who aren't working yet and in school, school is in church and the world. We could put the government. We could put other kind of things in here. Um, and And... We have all kinds of responsibilities throughout the week. Um, we, you know, it's, we, we kind of can't put it in a strict legalistic kind of way. We've, we've the responsibilities to care for our families and for our kids. We've got uh, issues at work that we've got to take care of. Um, we've got to, in terms of providing for families, the Bible has a whole lot to say about families. We need to honor fathers and mothers. We need to care for children. Um, the Apostle Paul said, look, if you, don't, if you don't get out and work and take care of your family, you're worse than an, an unbeliever. Uh, and he, so he tells us a whole lot about what it means to be a Christian family. 
Um, if your kids are homesick, you got to go and help them. Um, you, you need to foster and nurture the relationship with your spouse. You need to visit parents that are older uh, and, and perhaps need help. Um, it's interesting that Jesus called, he, he called out the, the religious leaders so often. At one point, he called them out and he said, you know what, you, you use the word of God for your own means. He said, what are you talking about? You say Corban. They say, we can't help our parents, our aged parents, because we don't have enough money, because we have this money, but we've dedicated it to God, so we can't give it to them. And, and, and Jesus saw right through how they would do those kind of things. So we've got all of these kind of responsibilities. Um, you know, and you can't say, well, um, our church needs somebody to work on the gardens. So I'm going to call my workplace and say, uh, listen, I can't come in for three days each month because I'm working on the gardens at the church. You, can't, you know, you can't do that. You've got you've to balance all of the different kind of demands that we have in our life. Our work calls for us to be dependable, honest, hardworking, helpful, respectful of others, helping co-workers. These are all things that come out of the Bible. These are all things that we're supposed to do. And sometimes, church, you should be faithful in attendance. You should be serving and giving and encouraging and praying for others and guiding and helping others. That's our responsibility at church. So we have all these different kinds of uh, things we 've got the world we 're supposed to live as an ambassador in the world uh, we 're supposed to uh, endure persecution in the world we 're supposed to love lost people and share the good news with them we 're to stand up for the truth and for god 's values in a gracious and humble way we 're to promote justice and care for the planet and concern for help and and I just why well, i, I don 't know how i don 't know how to put these in a in a hierarchy. And when Jesus said to the Pharisees, uh, they should stop majoring on the minor, stop counting those little things, and while at the same time you're not taking care of um, mercy and faithfulness and all of that kind of thing. So, so what's, what's he saying here? It's not so much trying to get the right order. In fact, we've got to do all of these things. All of these things are incumbent upon us. We can't say, I, I can't go to work because I, I, I made church more important than work, so i got to do something at the church. We can't do something like that. It's not about getting the right order. It's about having a life that is saturated in Jesus, in Christ. And it's living out the centrality of Christ in our life. And having to do all of those things. And here's what happens in life. You can't keep these always the same. Because things come into our life. Say for instance you've got a major project at work that has to be done. You've got to go out of town with your company. You've got to, you've got to uh, write papers and, and pro, uh, proposals. And, and it's got to be done and there are deadlines. And you may find that sometimes work is taking up more time. And that's okay, as long as it doesn't stay that way. You may have a sick child at home. There may be a a, a crisis, and you're not going to work. You're at the hospital all the time. You're not coming to church. We we understand that that we live a a God-centered and God-saturated way so that we need to be able to take care of everything. Um, And so there are times, uh, Keisha... 
getting ready for Christmas, your, your whole priorities thing had to shift to get done stuff for church while other things get like, that's part of life. The thing is that we have so saturated ourselves with God that God leads and guides us and we can ebb and flow and we don't have to try and get the order right all the time. Now when Jesus said, you know, you need to stop majoring on the minor, but he said, look, you need to do both. You can't just say, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this because it's more important. No, you still have an obligation to do that. So when Jesus, when Jesus calls us to that, he says, just make it work. Now, uh, you know what? Some of you would, would really like somebody to tell you, here's the, here's the priority list for you. You got to do this before this and this. And, and I'm not going to do that. And God doesn't do that. You work this out in your own life. You work out how it, how it flows how you express your love for God that is the totality of your being. And you do that when you, th- when you think of your finances. You, you do it when you think about sports. You do it when you think about entertainment. You do it when you think uh, about, uh, about uh, work and all of these other things. Rather than the priority list, you flex to make everything comport with the centrality of God in our lives. And uh, that's going to ebb and flow. Everything comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Whatever, I, I love, uh, I love uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10 and verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatever you do, can it be more mundane than eating and drinking? I mean, it doesn't sound highly spiritual, does it? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. And everything becomes sacred. Your work is sacred. Your care for your family is sacred. Your, your uh, participation in the world, uh, your activity at church, everything is a reflection that God is central to my life. I take care of myself and I live for him and I, I seek to do everything that he calls me to do. And uh, so we have a new year ahead of us. We have this incredible opportunity, and we're going to be making choices. And and I want you to think as you make choices, what would God have you do in a God-centered, focused way? How can you show, in terms of priority, that God is central to your life, to everything you are and everything you have? The Apostle Paul would say in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, with his sanction, with his blessing, in keeping with what, what Jesus himself would do. And uh, I think if we do this, if we do this as a church, if we do this as individuals, if we do this in our family, God's blessing will be on us. And uh, we will reach out and we will, you know, our, our, our vision statement, touching our world through Jesus one life at a time. Because his love will flow through us to our family, to our co-workers, and uh, to make a mark for him. So we got this great opportunity, and my prayer for us all is that we would walk faithfully with Jesus, having him central in our life, loving him with all of our our being and loving each other, our neighbors, 
those outside the church uh, as we love ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for what you do in our life. We thank you for Christ. And Father, you know the struggles we have that our hearts go for things that uh, don't, uh, aren't important in the big scheme. And we major on the minor. And our hearts are taken away and our affection and our, our time and our obsession is with, with other things that have nothing to do with you. And I pray, Father, that you would purify us. That you'd help us to reorder our, our, uh, our priorities as we go into this new year. We would think critically about the decisions that we make and ask, does this reflect my love for God and my love for others? And Father, I pray that you would take and pour your blessing into our lives as we seek to live and honor you in that way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the servers if they'll come to the table. This morning is communion. There's an area that I just, uh, I, I just want to share for a moment uh, with you on. Communion is a time of remembrance and reflection. It's a time of uh, thinking about what he has done for us. He didn't want us to forget. He knows how forgetful we are. But he calls us to come and and to uh, give thanks to him. You will hear this called in some church traditions the Eucharist. That means thanks, thanksgiving. We come to say thank, thank you. We come to refocus and center our lives in Christ and what he's done for us. We fellowship with one, around, one another around the table. It's, it's a time of meeting with Christ. It's a time with meeting with the body of Christ. But there's another aspect. When, when Jesus took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In, uh, in my blood. His blood was poured out for the remission of sins, but that That was a covenant. It was an agreement that he made with us as he came and provided salvation. Also, that he would enter into an agreement, a covenant, a partnership with us. And uh, I think it would be a really beautiful thing with with part of the meaning of communion is to re-up with our commitment to Jesus Christ. it's, It's to reaffirm our baptismal confession. When you stood in that water and and you were asked, would you follow Jesus Christ all the days of your life faithfully? I will. How many of us kind of slip a little bit away from that? And so we have this wonderful opportunity um, to receive communion and to recognize that part of this is a reconsecration of our life to God's purposes for us. And as you come forward in a few moments, um, I want you to come forward. And, and my hope and prayer is this, that you would come forward and you would be saying, Lord Jesus, I thank you with, from, all, from the bottom of my heart what you have done for me in saving me, of giving your life for me. And I pledge my faithfulness and loyalty and love back to you. What a great way to start the, uh, the new year, isn't it? To say to him, Lord, here I am. Take me afresh. I recommit uh, myself to your purposes. And so my prayer is that you will, uh, you will do that 
as we have this opportunity. Um, in just a moment, um, we'll, we'll prepare ourselves and uh, we'll invite you, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're walking with him, to come forward and receive that. Maybe, maybe you haven't uh, done that yet, but God has been tugging on your heart. I remember uh, a, a, a prior uh, uh, communion service where a person heard that and, and, and said, oh, Lord, I do believe in you. And he opened his heart to Christ and had communion for the first time as a believer in the Lord Jesus. That may be you today, uh, that your God has opened your heart and you want to respond to his grace and his love. So in a moment, um, we'll invite you to come forward. You can uh, go out uh, the right side of the aisle and come down. There'll be people here that will uh, uh, have the the emblems and you can go back um, around the other side and uh, these are gluten-free wafers if that is a concern for you and uh, just hold the uh, hold the emblems until we all receive together okay